Do you remember crisscross? They would put their pants on backwards. That was such a blip. That was such a brief moment. I might have been in like sixth grade, which would have made me probably about 11-ish when crisscross became a thing. I mention that because I picture that being lost to history. There's got to be so many things like that in history. These blips, these cultural moments that just aren't recorded. You know, someone who's really digging deep might come across crisscross in a thousand years. If, like, that person decides they want to specialize in, like, the culture of the 1990s. Just imagine if you were studying medieval history and you decided you were going to study just a 10-year time span. And not even that. I mean, a particular year in that time span. That's some real granular history. But we live in a world where things are preserved in a way that they weren't preserved a thousand years ago. So crisscross is there for anyone who is looking hard enough. You know what else is there is the story of Dr. Alfred Porter Southwick. Southwick was a dentist in Buffalo, New York. In Buffalo, New York, it had been one of the first cities to be electrified. They had a hydroelectric generator at Niagara Falls in 1880. So it's 1881 when Southwick is, I guess he's walking home or something. He sees someone get electrocuted. It's 1881. It's probably one of the first people in history to be electrocuted to death. The guy dies. But Southwick, you know, people were concerned about public hangings at this time. It struck them as too cruel. Drop someone and they just hang there and they're struggling and it's it's gruesome. So there was some interest at this time in finding an alternative to public hangings. Southwick realizes we could start electrocuting people. (laughs) Put this technology to good use. And Southwick, being a dentist, figures, well, we'll strap them into a chair and then hit the switch. So that's the electric chair. comes from this guy, Dr. Alfred Porter Southwick, in Buffalo, New York, in the 1880s. You know what the electric chair reminds me of is the Metallica album, Ride the Lightning, and that reminds me of 7th grade, Miss... Fuck, I can't remember her name. And she assigned us to write an etiology, an origins story. And I teamed up with Dan Goldberg, and we wrote a story about, I think it was like the origins of lightning or something. But that was probably, that's probably why I had Dan's number later on when I called him up and said, hey, I have a bass. I'm taking bass lessons. I know you have a band. You looking for a bass player? And he said, yeah. (laughs) And that was like how I ended up doing music. There's an incredible story about Thomas Edison and the electric chair. There's a book called Thomas Edison and the electric chair, which I read several years ago. I couldn't find any notes on it, though, so I'm doing this mostly from memory. Edison 
in the early 1880s is selling his electric light bulbs and he's setting up generation stations where he can generate the electricity. I want to say 1882 is the first commercial electric generation station. Edison is doing everything right. This is is my takeaway from that book a while back. Edison's doing all the right things. Now, He's, he's putting his wires underground, for instance. That's the thing that stood out to me. That's the safe way to do it. One thing about Edison, he's, he, there's two ways to send an electrical current. You can do direct current or you can do alternating current. We use alternating current today. But Edison picked his horse, direct current, and I guess he was kind of stuck with it for whatever reason even as it became clear that alternating current was superior, maybe he'd invested too much already in it. So you have Edison. He's growing his business, selling direct current. George Westinghouse enters the market for commercial electricity. Westinghouse is using the alternating current, which means he can send the current further, which means he has to invest in fewer stations. He also is just stringing the the wires up um, above the city. Let me look this guy's name up real quick. I, I forgot to bring a card or anything with his name. Guy caught in power lines. Oh, my God. Guy caught in power lines. This is how this person <laughs> exists in my mind. This guy I'm about to talk about, his memory lives on. In the year 2020, someone is typing in his story into their iPad and describing him as the guy caught in power lines in New York. Mm, 1880s. John Feeks. By the way, this is called The War of the Currents. Edison and Westinghouse. So... Westinghouse is undercutting Edison. Westinghouse is going about it in a reckless way. That was my takeaway when I read the book. It seemed like he was just putting the wires up. And that John Feeks character is one of the people working on the the wires. He climbs up the pole. He gets electrocuted. He dies. But it's not just that. He's tangled in the wires. So he's just like dangling above the city, frying for like half an hour. There's all sorts of stories similar to that in terms of like someone's just walking down the street, they get electrocuted and die. I guess Southwick's story was a kind of um, foreshadowing of, of what was to come. So you have Edison versus Westinghouse. Westinghouse is going about it in a way that's undercutting Edison. But an opportunity to undercut Westinghouse presents itself to Edison. New York, New York decides it's going to use the electric chair. But to do that, they need to invent one. (laughs) So Westinghouse refuses to participate. (laughs) Why did they ask Westinghouse? Well, because Edison said, you know what? That alternating current that Westinghouse is using, I think you ought to use that. why, Why is he saying that? Well, he wants to associate Westinghouse with the electric chair to scare the crap out of potential customers. So they'll go to Edison. So Westinghouse isn't obviously foolish enough to accommodate <laughs> this uh, this scheme. 
So he refuses. So then Edison, this is, I guess, secret at the time. Edison sets somebody up to create an electric chair using alternating current. (laughs) He's like privately, secretly funding it without anyone knowing it. Think of how granular that history is. We know the names of all the participants. We know about their motivations. We have a list of examples of, you know, this, that, and the other thing. There's John Feeks. We know Southwick's story, uh, you know, because we have these newspaper clippings. Presumably we have personal papers from, from Thomas Edison. We don't have anything like that from Homo erectus. <laughs> There's something called the middle awash, awash, I'll say it two ways here, the middle awash project, or maybe it's the the middle awash project. However you say it, it's a research project in Ethiopia, and um, they're investigating human origins. Now in 1994, I'm going to look it up right now. When did Criss Cross come out? So in 1994, we got Artie. Uh, Artipithecus ramidus. I think it's a female. Yeah, it's a female fossil. It's four and a half million years old. Artie was found in the Afar Desert in Ethiopia. I I think it was part of this, um, the Awash, the middle Awash project. If it wasn't, they're in the same region. It's kind of beside the point. Artie is the most complete early hominid fossil ever discovered. In other words, it's a very complete fossil helping to us establish the picture of, of human origins. 1994. Is Chris Cross spelled with a K? Chris Cross. Let's find out. Chris Cross. Jump! There's a song. Jump! Oh my god, they're fucking eight. Jump, jump. These are the lyrics. Jump, jump. The Mac Dad will make you jump, jump. The Mac Dad. They look like my students. Um... Jump is the hit debut single by American hip-hop duo Criss Cross. It is spelled with K's. There's only one S. Oh, my God. Were those their names? <laughs> um, it was released in 1992. So Artie was post-jump. Artie was discovered post-jump. There's this guy named Edward Coloso. And he was from Zambia, I believe. And um, this guy. So during the Cold War, during the space race, he wanted to be the first Afronaut. He's from Africa. He's from Zambia. He wants Zambia to compete with the United States and the Soviet Union in the space race. Now, the thing is, he didn't have any money. One of the videos I watched about this said that um, the only money he ever received was 10 rupees from, uh, like a, a kid, <laughs> but he forged ahead nonetheless. And he started putting people in barrels and rolling them down the hill. He wore a cape. He said, the, the superpowers are afraid of our Zambia's space knowledge. I don't think anyone can tell if he was crazy or if this was, like, 
theatrical? Was this like a satire? Was he trying to make fun of the superpowers? Um, but Encoloso, he has no resources at all, and he wanted to start a space program. <laughs> There's something just awesome about that. We have video of Encoloso. I think the theme here is both technology and also the historical record. <laughs> Crisscross, Encoloso, Human Origins, Southwick. But we'll never know if Artie did something crazy with her hair and it caught on and then everyone stopped doing it. <laughs> we won't know about their fashion statements. We can know about the fashion statements, even the very fleeting ones of the 1990s. The Alicera Nomads. So, where they dug up Artie, there's a nomadic people called the Alicera. Alicera. And um, they threatened to kill the paleontologist Tim White was one of the guys who was going back to this area over and over again looking for fossils. They threatened to kill him if he kept coming there. Two things I found really interesting about, about this. One is these nomads, they have AK-47s. <laughs> so you might want to heed their warnings. There's also a really interesting quote from... Um, from the Alicera. So the researchers are negotiating with the Alicera, and they explain what they're doing there, and the Alicera decide to let them go look for fossils. One condition. One day, you have to teach us how to get history from the ground. That's cool. <laughs> 